This episode of Due North Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Sportsman's Guide. For everything you need to enjoy the fun, freedom, and traditions of the outdoors, you got to check out sportsmansguide.com. From hunting and fishing to camping, hiking, and just hanging around a bonfire in the backyard, you'll find it all at Sportsman's Guide. Tree stands, blinds, rods and reels, ATV accessories, and so much more. Clothing and footwear, too, from top-notch brands like Scentlock, Nomad, Mountain Hardware, Irish Setter, Danner, Ah, the list just keeps on going. Plus, a full line of firearms, ammo, and accessories. The bottom line, if it happens outdoors, you'll find it at Sportsman's Guide. Shop today at sportsmansguide.com and use the code DUNORTH for $20 off your first order. That's DUNORTH, all one word, for $20 off your first order. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Due North Outdoors Podcast. I'm Travis Frank, your host with Natalie Dillon sitting right across from me. Natalie, on our last episode, we started out the show by coming up with 10 of our favorite fishing destinations. How many do you think we got through? I think together we got through like 10 or 11, something like that. I couldn't come up with just 10. I ended up with like 12 (laughs) or something. We decided that we needed to cut it off. And do part two. So today, part two of our top 10 fishing yes. destinations. So technically, it's 20, top 20 fishing yeah. destinations. And we are now in middle of July. I get that. A lot of people have already made their plans. But if you haven't made your plans, there's still a lot of summer left. Summer just started. We were just talking about this before <laughs> the before we hit play here, but... Summer just began. It did. I decided years ago, summer starts on the 4th of July, because I feel like this is the time of year that everyone starts getting a little bit sad, like summer is slipping away. And I mm-hmm. said, no, summer just, just got started. Yep. Plenty we're of time even, left. We're it not stays even warm the dog into days September. Yet. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So and Speaking of dog days, as it relates to fishing, there was just this old, I don't know who started this, but it's just terrible, terrible that dog days are bad time to fish. It's the, it, like everything is eating at their peak. The water temperatures are at their peak. That means metabolism is at their peak. That means they're eating more than they do any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, certain species are probably the best time of the year to go after them, yeah. especially if you're a bass angler. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're not even to the best of musky season. Mm-hmm. That is still coming. It's funny that you say that because partly I think it's just because I'm a poor planner when it comes to fishing, but I typically start getting really into fishing later in the season. I tend to take like the beginning to like spend more family time and just more outdoors things. And this is the time of year that I, I get really into it. I'm going tomorrow morning. Yeah. I'm excited. Where are you going to go? Much more. I'm going to stay local. I'm just going to do some kayak bass fishing. So one of my favorite lakes around here. So One of the lakes that you talked about in the last episode? One of the city lakes? Uh, Maybe. Oh, look at you. She's playing koi over there. Jeez. It's got some bass. It's got some You're supposed to spill the beans now. Give us your GPS coordinates. What lure are you using? Exactly. Next one. I'll give you a fishing report, though. Have you been out? A little bit. Yeah, it's been, I've been doing a lot of other fun kind of family things. Actually, last week, my sister was in town from Michigan. So we had the whole family together, tons of like kayaking with the kids and hiking and some yard games. We get some, we get competitive with some 4th of July yard games. Are you competitive? Um, Healthy competitive, I would say. Yeah, everyone Uh, in my family, we were all kind of athletes. So yeah, I'll say uh, a little story. 4th of July, we do have yard games every year that's like kind of, you know, Olympics with prizes and stuff. And a lot of it's, you know, adults and kids and stuff. But the main event every year is the uh, adult water balloon toss. And it's one of those where you toss it and then you take a step back, toss it again. Catch and it. And if it breaks, you exactly. lose. Yeah. And it's that's the main event. Everyone kind of, you know, warms up for it, does the stretches. And uh, 
I, I usually am pretty good. Last couple of years, I didn't have a strong showing, but this year, my partner and I, we won it, and we you got the, the farthest the... distance ever. So. How far did you make it? Well, we don't measure it, but there's Come the. On. I know. I there's got to be a record. I'm if like you're going to do this every year. 50, 60 plus feet, like far, like launching it. That's pretty good. It. So, yeah, but no, I've been out fishing a little bit, mostly just bass, kayak, and shore fishing and stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a slower start to the year, but. I'm itching to get on. It's not how you start. Down. It's how you finish. Exactly. How okay. about you? <clears throat> Me? Yeah, I've been out all the time. I'm always yeah. going out yeah. a couple days a week at least. I'm still taking some people out. I uh, had a father-son out last night. They each caught their first walleyes. That's always cool. Awesome. Yep. Were yep. they excited? Were they? Yeah. Yeah, they were pumped. Good. Yeah, they were pumped. Bass fishing is really heated up. This mm -hmm. time of the year, I love um, you know, the, the fish in the metro area of Minnesota where I spend a lot of my time. They really school up in deep water. And this is my favorite time mm -hmm. to bass fish is when I can target those big schools. They're usually chasing down bluegills. Um, and I think we talked about this on the last show, but this time of the year, a lot of times, bluegills are schooled up, thousands of them in deeper water, outside weed lines, and they're still spawning. They're still on beds in deeper water. Right now, there's beds in 20, foot, 20 plus feet of water. And it's cool when you go drive by on site imaging in deep water, you can see just these huge areas mm -hmm. of, of bluegill beds and just drop a waypoint on it and you know <laughs> you're going to get some bass in there. And they can be big bass. The schools can have, you know, sometimes it's big numbers. Sometimes it's schools of big fish. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's both. So that's why I love this time of the year. It, it's uh, just a good time to uh, catch a lot of fish mm -hmm. and big fish. I'm also, I'm fishing in the blackfish classic on lake minnetonka in two weeks so i don't know maybe we'll see if we do well we can talk about it if we don't yeah, do yeah. well we don't we'll touch base ahead of time yeah. i won't ask you uh, while we're recording yeah, but that's yeah. awesome yeah Good so luck. i i have fished competitively for more than 20 years musky tournaments um were the first ones I fished. Walleye tournaments, I fished them, and bass tournaments too. But the last few years, I haven't fished nearly as many tournaments, and it's mainly because I'm competitive, like we just <laughs> talked about. And if I'm not going to win, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And typically, I like that attitude. Yeah, and if, if, um, if I don't have time to put into it, yeah. everyone else is. You know, these tournaments... There's so much technology, there's so much information, but yeah, you still have to put time in. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's people that, you know, there's money on the line, 10 grand, first place. They're going to be out there for days and days and weeks fishing, leading up to it, trying to follow it. And I guess if I don't have the time to put into it, I usually don't. But one of my good buddies that I grew up fishing with, that he's just an amazing bass fisherman, wins the tournaments all over the country, but Matt Peters is his name, and he and I are going to fish together. Awesome. Yeah, we, we talk every year. We're going to fish a tournament this year. We're going to fish uh -huh. a tournament, and he's usually uh, got everything laid out for you know the whole season, but he's like, I've got, I did get a... Um, an opening, or I did get a spot. There's 100 boats in this one, mm -hmm. the Blackfish Classic. Um, and it, it's, it filled up in like 11 minutes or something. Wow. Yeah, so he we happened to, to get on one it. of the spots. Okay. Yeah, and uh, he needed a partner, obviously. So, Phil, that's where I come in. And I'm really looking forward to it. You're going to do great. Yeah, it's an adrenaline rush. Yeah. It's so much fun. I don't know if it's a fair question, but I have to ask. I've been. It's something I think about a lot in my head. If you can give an answer to it, is there a species tournament that you think is the hardest to win or harder than others? Like, is it harder to win musky fishing or bass fishing or walleye fishing? Well, uh, I would say muskies are 
really challenging because unpredictable, right? Yeah, I mean, you might only have one or two feeding windows during the during the tournament hours. So I've been on tournaments on Malax before. I mean, this was twenty years ago, but um, we just didn't have a, a a window that opened up during mm-hmm. tournament hours, and there was not a muskie caught by a hundred boats. Mm-hmm. They just didn't. It was just awful conditions. And so they had to come up with a different way to determine who they, wow. yeah, they actually added Northern Pike to it. Um, this makes me feel a lot better about my fishing ability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone um, listening at home is like, oh, good. It's not the just me. The adrenaline rush when you hook into a big muskie yeah. and there's money on the, you, know, you got 10 grand oh, on the line. Like imagine. everything just elevates. And it's so, yeah. I, I love the competitive side. I I think obviously catching bass is the easiest of those three mm-hmm. between walleye and muskie. But there's still, you have to catch the five biggest. Right. Or they're, depending on the format the now, there are different yeah. formats where um, your total inches of fish mm-hmm. for the whole day, or they, you know, like they weigh them on the spot. They have a judge in the mm-hmm. boat. Um, the Champions Tour, which is a bass fishing uh, circuit in the Minis- Midwest, I'll call it. Um, I was just watching. They had an event mm-hmm. on Lake Vermilion last week, and Matt was fishing, and I kept checking the score because it was they auto update with uh-huh. every fish catch, and he was doing awful. <laughs> he was in like fiftieth place, like, Darn and it. I'm like, Matt, come on, bud, this isn't like you Give because he's he's won Angler of the Year in that yeah. one. He um, has won multiple tournaments, and he usually does really well. And then all of a sudden, you watch him, and boom, boom. Boom, another catch, another catch, another catch. Because every catch counts. Yeah. And, you know, the leader was 40 pounds ahead of him. And pretty soon yeah, he, he, he finished. And... In the last hour, he made up like 40 places. And he finished cool. in sixth place. So it's you can cheer your buddies on. You can watch everybody competing in those live tournaments, which I think are a lot of fun. Yeah. And the fish gets released right away, which I do like. Um, so that's... I don't think I answered your question, but... I don't remember what it was. I don't even remember. Oh, yeah. Yes, you said, what's yeah. easiest? Yeah. Um, they're all fun and challenging in their own ways. And walleyes, too. I mean, depending on the lake, some lakes are tough to catch a walleye during daylight hours. Mm-hmm. You know, sunrise, sunset, that's typically your low-light hour period. That's the best walleye fishing of the day. And some lakes are not great to catch them during the middle of the heat of the day. And if you get really hot, flat, calm conditions, that can be tough, too. And that can be fun. And I've learned that I've, I've become a way better angler when I have to catch fish mm-hmm. under those conditions I when imagine, a lot of people yeah. would say, they're not biting, I'm going home. Yeah. You can't. You got money. on that. You've invested, you know, your entry fee is 500 bucks. You've got multiple days at a lodge that you're paying for. You're out a couple grand. If you want to win, you got to buckle down yeah. and figure it out. And that's how I've learned some of my best fishing techniques to this day is being forced to catch them when... They don't want to bite. Yeah. Yep. Good lesson for all of us. Yep. It's a lot of fun. And the the just the adrenaline rush, the takeoff, national anthem, you're sitting there and yeah. you just have this like what if I what if I, what if it happens? Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden it's happening some days and you're like, holy crap. I might win, yeah. you know, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty fun. We can, t- I, I don't want to, uh, you know, ruin the, the whole topic of you today's don't conversation, derail it. but one, it's yes, been derailed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Derailed it's been it. derailed, but I won't ruin it. Sure. Um, no, but I, I've, I fished in one, I think if I'm remembering correctly, one tournament in my life and it was a bass fishing tournament in Texas. It's kind of a long story, but it was th- exactly what we were just talking about that adrenaline rush. I truly never fished on the lake before. It was like as part of a, uh, a trip that I was doing with a brand, but the fishing was tough, but it was so much fun to be just, you know, a part of it. And I did, my partner was quite a good angler and 
fishing was tough that day for pretty much everyone. You know, a few boats did a good job, but we were struggling. We hadn't caught a fish. And two minutes before the end of the tournament, whatever it was, like 1 p.m., I decide to throw, you can guess it, hollow body frog, middle of the afternoon over almost open water. And I landed our first bass of the day and we celebrated like we won the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting to go, go to weigh in and not be empty handed was fun. Oh, the, yeah. the, the drama that plays out too. Yeah. The last time I fished in a tournament with Matt, uh, the guy that I'm going to fish with, Matt Peters, on this one in two weeks, um, we were on, we were doing pretty well, but we're like, we need one last <laughs> big bite. And I think we can, I think it'll put us over the top. And right at the last second, we were counting down, like we have to go at this time. We caught it. Mm-hmm. Got the bite. We're like, yes, go to start the boat. Dead. <gasps> oh, no. Dead. And so you have to be back yeah. boat off plane by the time. Otherwise, you're disqualified. So we fill up our bag with fish, waved out another boat. He goes flying in with the fish. I'm sitting there in his boat. Helpless. Trying to figure out how to jump it. We get it jumped. He gets the fish up there in Good. just the nick of time. We did not get disqualified because... Uh, I don't know, some tournaments, formats, you'd have to be in your boat. You can't leave your boat. There's rules and whatever. But this one, it was okay. So we got a ride in and made it. Yeah. We ended up losing by an ounce and a half. Oh, no. (laughs) So we got second place, which was still. Yeah, it keeps you hungry. Yes, it is. It's it's fun. Well, we'll get a good tournament angler and, you know, one one of the species on here one of these times and really talk fishing tournaments. Yeah, maybe if we do well, and maybe even if we don't, we can have Matt come in and we can talk (laughs) about it because he's, he's, he's been on the tours nationally. He still competitively fishes today, and he's just a wealth of fishing knowledge. I enjoy spending time with people that, devote their life to catching fish because then I, I always learn something. I hope I teach them something too, but Matt's one of those guys that I've learned a lot from. Uh, let's start this before we get into our, our second part of our top fishing destinations. We've got listener questions. Um, Tony Hams writes, I'm going to my uncle's remote, no cell service cabin in Canada for the first time in a couple weeks. It is mostly walleye fishing, which I'm not as familiar with anyways. Just looking for any walleye fishing tips to get the most out of this experience. Any advice, Natalie? We got to go with the walleye fishermen in the room. How about you? Oh, I've got, I mean, first off, um, any, almost any time you go to a Canadian fishing lake, lodge, whatever, you know, and I, I don't know which one Tony's going to here, but, um, the expectations are that you're usually going to catch a lot of fish mm-hmm. and most always the expectations are exceeded <laughs> because if you fish down here um, and we do have great fishing in the Midwest, Minnesota, and, you know, we do have excellent fishing down here, but sometimes you go to a lake depending on how far up you are and they just are so full of fish. They'll eat all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to be, I mean, I've watched people put, you know, like the steel leader that you attach to your jig head. And, you know, like I, I went to a lake one time and this guy, he had that, like a 20 pound steel leader attached to his jig and a dried leech on it. I mean, it was like <laughs> sun dried leech. He didn't even put a live one on. He drops it mm-hmm. down and catches a walleye. I'm like, that like yeah. you don't it, you can put a hot dog yeah, on i was gonna there. say this sounds <laughs> like the perfect canned corn fishing opportunity yes exactly they'll take anything yeah. and i mean down here you would ne- you would never catch a walleye yeah. on that 
So um, there are some, there are a few things that I've learned fishing up, you know, like we talked about last week it was on Lake of the Woods, you mm-hmm. get up in the islands there. Um, obviously, there's a lot of ways to catch them. Um, and it's a lot of fun. I would go into it, Tony, with, you know, a variety of different walleye lures. My favorite from basically mid-July until the lakes freeze is a rapala jigging wrap. I use it um, almost exclusively. I catch, on average, probably close to 10 to 1 that I would on a jig. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times in my my way of, of getting those numbers is that when I'm fishing up there with other people that love to just vertically jig, mm-hmm. they put a minnow on or a leech and they just drop it to the bottom and they bounce it and you catch tons of walleyes that way. But I can throw a wrap with a jigging wrap a hundred feet and I'm ripping it back. Mm-hmm. It's so quick. It's so, I'm covering so much water that I'm covering, I'm bringing that thing by 25 different walleyes on a cast while this other person is sitting there waiting for one to swim into his three foot area to see it. So I catch way more fish with that. And usually everyone in the boat eventually is like, I can't take this. Give me one of those. Because I, I offer it right away. And I said it usually outfishes it by a large margin. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Rapala jigging wraps. Number seven, number nines, both those are the two. Don't go up there without it. Uh, Canadian lakes can be very rocky. Shield lakes, you can lose a lot of jigs. So bring a lot of them. <laughs> and don't, don't, um, don't leave without enough you don't want to run out of baits when you're up there but i would say that um, depending on the technology that tony has on the boat uh when on my boat i'm looking at areas and i'm typically not casting into those giant boulders i like to find these big schools of walleyes they're in the sand on the edges of those giant boulders and so that's where i'm throwing the the jigging wraps and i don't lose nearly as many that way but uh good old-fashioned jigs uh, will catch you as many walleyes as you can possibly handle up there. Uh, you control crankbaits and rapalas as well. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be up there in mid-July. Soon. Yeah. Yep. So uh, prepare for the best tasting walleye you've ever eaten because you can't go up there without having fresh shore lunch. Mm-hmm. And once you do, you'll realize why walleye in a restaurant is a completely yeah. different food group. <laughs> so this is going to be a really good segue into my first uh, recommendation for today. But yeah. before we get there... Tony, good luck. And anyone else too, if you've got, you know, questions at home and, you know, we can answer questions about the topic of the day or really anything else. So, uh, yeah, submit your questions. Do North Outdoors TV on Instagram and Tony, hope it helps. Yeah. I don't know. Did I, did I, was there any advice there, Natalie? There was advice there. Okay. Yes. I hope you do well. Report back to us. Yeah. Um, okay. So what you were just talking about is very much in line with my first recommendation for today. Yeah. Or my, um, Are we back I, to our list now? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Can we go there? Cause yeah. now I'm just getting yeah, excited to talk about this. So yeah. it's actually a place that I've mentioned on this podcast before talking about my fishing history, how I got involved in it. And it's a place that's very near and dear to my heart. So Crane Lake, do you remember I mentioned that maybe a few weeks ago? Uh, I I wasn't paying attention. Okay, I guess not. (laughs) Probably wasn't that interesting. (laughs) I'll try to make it better this time. Um, But a lake all the way up in northern Minnesota, um, really on the border, actually, of of Voyagers National Park. And there is one resort on there, Nelson's Resort. I have to give it a shout-out to because this place, my family's gone 
three or four times. Now it's kind of like an every five years, but starting from when I was a kid and, you know, there's other resorts in that area, but this lake, it's beautiful, just, you know, pristine Northern Minnesota, you know, super rocky and clear water. And it also borders Canadian waters. So, um, a, a lot of water that you can get to up there and the fishing up there is really, really great. And the place is super accessible. So for me, the first time that I truly fished was, I was probably about like six or seven years old up there. And what I love about Nelson's, and I think some of the other resorts up there are the same, is they've got, you know, a great staff of fishing guides. So this is something that's really great for families who are maybe, you know, interested in the outdoors, interested in fishing, but might need a little bit of assistance actually getting on the water. Of course, if you don't want to use one of, your, one of their guides, you don't need to. Oh, um, uh, one thing on that. Yeah. This might help Tony too. If there's a guide on the lake that you're yeah. going on one of these trips and you can go out with them for a day or a morning just to kind of get an understanding of things, yeah. it's always helpful, especially if you've got the family with for the rest of the week. It just shortens the learning curve really for sure. quickly. Yeah, you can learn so much right away. Yep. And uh, yeah, big proponent of that. So so when we go up there, we've always gone with guides. Even we went, you know, a handful of years ago and my family has gotten a lot bigger. So, you know, the nieces and nephews and everything go in multiple boats. Um, but the walleye fishing is just what you were just talking about so easy and so fun. And yeah. mostly what we're doing up there is all, you know, live bait, mostly leeches and, and jigging. But we had the type of days up there that it was almost like you had to, you know, at some point just set down your rod. Cause like you're, we're just catching too many. Like I need, I need a little break right now. I'm sorry. And, yeah. Nobody and for, feels sorry for you by the way. I know, I know. Yes. Yes. Good problem to yeah. have. But for me, you know, I went as a kid multiple times. I've now gone in as an adult and no matter who you are, what your fishing experience is, the, the fishing is great up there and it's a ton of fun. And the shore lunch is where it's at. And up there, I mean, you can just like picture it. It's at like quintessential Northern Minnesota. You literally, you pick any Island, you pull up. And if you're with the guides, they'll clean the fish for you. If you're like me, you'll probably want to get in on the action a little bit, show the nieces the, how it's, how it's done, that they can do it too. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, fresh walleye up there in the middle of summer is as good as it gets. So Crane Lake, Northern Minnesota, I hope to go back. Well, it sounds like you're going to do it in a couple of years. I think so. It's been... Those are traditions that... It's been three years. I mean, that was really formative in my, you know, love of the outdoors and my love of fishing. So, yeah, getting the kids out there can do a lot for them. Those experiences, I can't even stress the value of those. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're talking about it. Um, I, my grandparents grew up on farm in western Minnesota. And when they were done farming, they, um, they bought a house on the lake up in the Brainerd area. And I just, like, every possible second I could get up there, I wanted to go, and mm-hmm. they were willing to have me and my cousin and then my, you know, our family. Um, and I just, those memories are so rich. Yeah. I still remember waking up early before sunrise and watching the steam rise off the lake and going fishing with my grandpa. And we, you know, we had chores to do during the day, but I just, like, making time for those are yeah. just... Oh gosh, I'm trying to do it with my family too. We're we're going to a place, and I, this was I put it on the list because this is just the place that um, my wife and I went there before we were married as a getaway, um, and then we went back last year with our kids, mm-hmm. and we loved it so much that we were going again this year. And it's a small family-run lodge. It's called Thunder Lake Lodge. It's in Reamer, Minnesota. It's on Thunder Lake. It's a very northern Minnesota lake. Uh It's just pristine. There's cabins on it. It's just 
it's just another lake, really, when you look at all of them that are up there. But they're all great. And this one has been great for us and our family because they just, it's a nice family run, husband and wife and their kids. And they're a young family. Uh, there's a dozen cabins, roughly. And they've got a big sandy beach area mm -hmm. and playground. And we don't have to leave for anything. And the boat stays on the dock. And last year, my son and I, my oldest has gotten, he's just really taken to fishing. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about it. We're talking about baits and why things are where they are. And, and you know, he caught yeah. some really nice big walleyes on a grapple a chicken rib. Yeah. You know, and then he caught the biggest dang smallmouth. I, I was just enormous. And we just, we still talk about that. And I'm excited to go back and do that again this summer. Thunder Lake has great smallmouth bass fishing. It also has, you know, enough walleyes that you can go catch them. Mm -hmm. Typically late summer, people are like, yeah, the walleye bites best in May and June. Mm -hmm. And it is, I get that. But I've just learned that with the jigging wrap, it's like cheat code. It really is. And I, and they're like, you don't need bait. I'm like, no, I don't need bait. That's mm -hmm. okay. And then I, they're like, well, yeah. And you can always yeah, tell when, I, when we leave, like we were up on yeah. Leech Lake one time, same thing with the kids. And they're like, God, we haven't had a walleye in the cleaning shack in a week, you know, yeah. good, good luck. And we come in with, you know, we kept five because mm -hmm. the size was just perfect that we all have enough to eat mm -hmm. for the family. And they're like, what? Like, yeah. Isn't that the guy thing, that didn't bring bait out there? Yes, exactly. <laughs> he didn't bring bait. Yeah. So I know it's yeah. like, it, I don't know, but it's, it outfishes bait mm -hmm. sometimes. Uh, so anyway, it's just a special place for me, you know? Yeah. And I feel like you could say that about any of the 500 lakes in that area. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have these small family, um, resorts or cabins on it. And now with VRBOs, you know, it's easy to find these kind yeah. of places, but the thing is, find it and then do it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we wanted. We're making that, our my wife and I, it's just been an important thing. And we're going up there in early August mm -hmm. to uh, have a little getaway with the family. And I just think wherever it is that you find that little place, it's you can make it your own heaven. For sure. Yep. Next? Yep. Okay. So my next one, staying close. Well, not close to home, but staying in Minnesota at least. This is a lake that I have a love-hate relationship with. So it didn't make my initial list, but I'm adding it now. It's a well-known one. It's an obvious one, but for a reason. And it's like vermilion, mm. specifically for musky fishing. Mm. Have you fished it much? I have. Yeah. I fished a musky tournament up there Oh, okay. years ago. Yes. How'd you do? Um, I'm trying to remember. The first, okay, so the first day that I fished it with my tournament partner. We went up there, and I spent a lot of time on Lake Minnetonka mm -hmm. growing up. That's where I started guiding for muskies. And it lays out similar. Okay. It, there's a lot of features that are similar. It's a giant lake, a lot of bays, yep. a lot of shallow flats and stuff. And we're like, let's fish it the way that we do back here in the city. And we went out there, and we caught five muskies the first day. Ooh. And I'm like, I really like this lake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, and one of them was a 52-incher. So this was... Um, probably around 2000, yeah, 2003, okay. somewhere in that mm -hmm. window, 2002. It's probably right when it was starting to get popular, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. We were starting to find out about it, but it wasn't uh, quite, yeah, the musky fisheries, quite as pressured as today. Yeah, we've talked about this yeah. before, and you can go back to the Ryan McMahon podcast that we had him on, but the, the fisheries in Minnesota as a whole have really changed. Musky fishing, mm -hmm. you know, has really changed. And um, it's not what it was when it peaked and it's still great 
there's still big fish to be caught. But if you ask a lot of diehard musky anglers, they'd say there's half the fish in the lakes that there once Mm -hmm. was, or, you know, a a fraction of what it once was. And they're very educated. They've all been caught many Mm -hmm. times. Anyway, I didn't mean to hijack your vermilion. It's a beautiful place. It's like, it's like all these other Northern lakes up there. It's shield rocks. It's forest. It's, Beautiful. Yeah. Majestic. No, and yeah. that's, I, I'm glad that you've, I was hoping you've had that experience on it. Cause I, I you know, I wasn't musky fishing back then. Did you so. go smallmouth? No. So on Lake Vermilion, it's been all muskies for oh, me, but gotcha. back, you know, early two thousands, I wasn't musky fishing yet. So for me, my experience on Lake Vermilion has all been in the last, really in the last five years. And so I say I have a love hate relationship with it because I have caught some of my most memorable muskies of my life, really three of them on that lake. Those ones that, you know, you see when you close your eyes at night and you're like, you never mm. forget. But I've had to work very hard for them, which I think speaks to the, you know, there, there is a good amount of pressure on that lake right now. But when I'm up there, you just know that every cast you make, you do have a shot at a lifetime fish. So I've caught few four footers up there. And I, you know, people up there, they talk about how, you know, fish up there are big. And I wanted to see if I could get some information on it. And, um, I read a stat, I'll read it off here. Minnesota department of national resources, um, Lake Vermilion survey found that the average muskie up there is 45 inches average and 13% are over the 50 inch mark. That's which a little bit above average yeah. for what they kind of try to regulate. Yeah. When I read that, more than, you know, 10 muskies, your likelihood of at least mm-hmm. one of those, if not more, being over 50 yep. is pretty good. And so. it, just like Mille Lacs, Vermilion has a forage base of tulipy. Mm-hmm. And tulipy are that oily fish that when they get eaten, it's like eating a Big Mac. You know, mm-hmm. it's they're, they're putting on the LBs. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and when you catch they're one up fish, there, yeah. they're healthy. They're, yes, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, quite a few lakes in northern third of Minnesota that have the tulipy forage base and they mm-hmm. grow the largest predator fish, northern and musky for mm-hmm. sure, hands down. And that is just a beautiful place. Anything to add to Vermilion? Yeah. I love it. It's y- yeah. uh, The only thing I'd add, you know, we're talking mostly about summer fishing right now, but it's fun to be up there late in the season. I think the mm-hmm. latest I fished, I'm trying to remember, it was probably late October, but super snowy weekend, no boats out there, you know, with a group of people, we talked about safety last time, but, you know, throwing really big rubber baits late in the season. And when we talk about catching big, thick fish, that is a good time to do it. So one of my favorite fish in my life was uh, a late season fish up there, just had a belly on it in the snow. You know, it's what everyone hopes for. I think my fingers were numb for a couple days, but. The other thing about, I had like Vermilion on my list too. Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing about Vermilion and some of those other lakes up north in particular, if you're a musky angler, this time of the year, the dog days, sometimes the water temperature, you know, last night I was out, it was 81 degrees mm-hmm. on the surface. Uh, and there's a lot of musky anglers that will hang it up mm-hmm. when the water gets to that temperature and wait for it to cool back down. Just because when you hook into a big fish, it fights to the death. Mm-hmm. And you need it's to... not much oxygen yes, in the water. Ex- yes, exactly. So you want you want to take care of the fishery. Um, when I fish muskies exclusively you know, from opening day till the day the lake froze, mm-hmm. I I found patterns in certain lakes that really made it fun. I was able to go to some lakes when things were at their peak. And I found, maybe we stumbled on it, just the timing or whatever, but mid-July, when the water temperatures up there peaked, they didn't peak like they did down mm-hmm. here. But the action of the fishing and the way that the weed growth and just... 
it was mid-July. It was just an awesome time to be musky fishing mm -hmm. on Vermilion, and that's right now. Um, you know, and then, like you said, later on in the fall, just like on all the other tulip lakes, tulips spawn in the fall, mm -hmm. and they, they come up to shallow rock bars, and they spawn when the water temperature gets in that, like, 38 to 42 degree range. Well, a lot of fish on these big lakes on Malax and Vermilion, Lake of the Woods, that chase schools of tulipy all year. Tulipy don't have to relate to structure. They're eating bug hatches in the middle of the, the abyss. And so those muskies that don't relate to structure but relate to tulipies, you can't pattern them. Mm -hmm. you, you might cast all day and not ever come across one of them. But when they chase the tulipies up shallow, those big, giant state record caliber fish, they're now relating to the structure that you can cast on because it might be a, a reef that's 50 yards wide, mm -hmm. tops out at five feet on top, and that's where those tulipies are doing their thing, and that's where the big old muskies yeah. come too. So now, Good point. Yeah, so that's what makes end of October into early November kind of the prime time mm -hmm. up there. Something cool about catching a huge fish when There's, your boat's covered in snow. Yeah. It's magical. Yeah. yeah, so this isn't necessarily a summer tip. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Summer, either, you know what? Fishing is just a put this on yeah. your list and do it someday. For sure. There's a handful of guides up there. I think, does Ryan guide McMahon? Does he guide on? He, he doesn't, no. This goes for no. fun. Yeah. 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 There's a, I don't a Josh so Borowski. Yeah. I think he might still guide Luke up Ronestrand there. Luke Ron Strand's up yeah. there. Um, you know, there was uh, a handful of others too yeah. that you can just Google musky guides up there. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth it to experience it some, for sure. Sometimes, you know, another kind of non-fishing related thing I'll add about Vermilion is, um, it's a great lake to, to camp on. I know there's great resorts as we talked about great family owned resorts, mm -hmm. but if you're trying to book a last minute trip and there isn't anything left available, or if you just want to camp, there's a lot of, I've camped on it before. A lot of great campsites with great boat launches too. So, yep. I've also Fun done experience. Yeah, yeah, I've done that. It's it's worth doing. You can get to some of the Boundary Waters lakes through Vermilion. Oh yeah. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. portage through. So it's it's a cool lake. The walleye fishing numbers on Vermilion have gone up the last handful of years. And it's it's kind of like in popularity wise for the angling public, I think you and I have muskies on the brain pretty regularly, so we we rate it up there pretty high, but smallmouth bass fishing is phenomenal. And the walleye fishing, I have some friends that have a cabin up there, a couple of different friends, and they're like, yeah, yeah, the walleye fishing, the last couple of years are just, every time I go, I'm just amazed mm -hmm. by it. you know. And their nets test results are, are saying the same thing. So uh, that's a that's a real positive in, in a time when there's a lot of lakes that the DNR is trying to figure out how to keep the walleye populations mm -hmm. up. That one is doing it on its own. Pretty cool. Uh, so we both had Vermilion on our list. We're, I don't want to stay up there too long, but Rainy Lake is not <laughs> far away. And you can do the houseboat. And I've done the houseboat outing before. Um, my experience, I loved it and I didn't at the same time. I but start with what were the challenges or what, were the, what didn't you love about it? Um, it's, uh, you can't get away from the fact that if it's 100 degrees and there's oh, no wind, sure. it makes it uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's what we had for three straight days mm -hmm. when we were on a houseboat. And it was myself and some buddies for a bachelor party, I guess. Mm -hmm. who, uh, buddy was getting married, and we thought, let's just go. We've always talked about doing it. So we went up there, and we brought our boats, tied them onto the back, which was cool, and then mm -hmm. you drive out there. Um, you know, and it, it was popular. Uh, this was, I don't even remember how many years ago. It was before COVID, so it was popular then. Mm -hmm. um, it's been popular for as long as I can remember. But um, 
we had to fight. You can only go into designated areas to park and pull up on shore. And so at two and a half miles an hour that you're cruising yeah. in this gigantic uh, houseboat, you get to one, you're like, Limited options. that one's yeah. taken. You go to the next one, that one's taken. We eventually had somebody get in a boat and start driving around yeah. trying to find a place. Are there any workarounds for that? Or would you recommend going maybe later in the season or earlier in the season? Yeah, I, I, it could have been. We were probably there during peak. Yeah. Um, it's still super cool. Yeah. If it wasn't 100 degrees and we had a little bit of it, we didn't see a wave for three days other than a boat wake. So that was an anomaly. That's not yeah. normal. Um, we caught a ton of walleyes. I love walleye fishing up on Rainy Lake. It's one of those places where even if it's bad, it's still good, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, there's certain, like, if you'd go in the fall, it would be probably just dynamite. Yeah. I would say, you know, we talked about this on the last show about the hunting that I did on Lake Woods, I think, at that yeah, outpost yeah, yeah. camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you could probably do something similar on Vermilion, on Rainy, on uh, Cabotogam. A lot of those mm-hmm. lakes have all that public ex- publicly accessible land. You could pull up. You could fish it in part of the day. You can go on a grouse hunt. You can duck hunt. You know, some of those types of things make these northern remote lakes yeah. pretty cool to just have a real adventure in the fall. Uh, but the houseboat thing is is something that, I'm going to take my family to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's, it should be something that you try at least once. Yeah. I know people that do it's it over list. and over and over and it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So my next one, I think we're going to have a brand new species on our list for, for this conversation. Um, so my next one is something that I've only done really once, but. Are you leaving the Midwest here? Nope. Okay. If. Got, I've got plenty of options if we want to, but no, we're another one closer to home. Are you going to do it? We're going to do an exotic. I think show? we do need to have an okay. entire episode that's, yeah. yeah, we'll call it a, yeah, our exotic fishing destinations. A lot of saltwater ones that yeah. I can talk about, but no, this is another one close to home, but I've only been specifically up here for fishing once or twice. Um, North Shore for pink salmon in the fall. Yeah. So obviously I'm cheating a little bit. This is a gigantic region I'm going to right now, but it is kind of that way for a reason. So it's probably four or five years ago. I did this for the first time. I'm trying to remember. I think I've been back up there once, but, um, yeah, in the fall, the pink salmon run on pretty much every stream that comes in off Lake Superior. So talking about the North shore of mm-hmm. Lake Superior in Northern Minnesota and really that entire stretch from like Duluth up, um, what is it? Six, 61. Is that the road that goes? So. Yeah. 61 yep. or 65 all the way between like Duluth and Grand Marais. Um, that no matter what, if you're fishing or just like the outdoors in Northern mm-hmm. Minnesota, it's just a great drive to take. You can stop every 10 miles basically for a different landmark and hike, you know, from, uh, you know, split rock lighthouse to, you know, temperature. Exactly. So yep. much to do and see up there, but Really starting like I think mid September, if not you know earlier, depending on the season, for a month or so, there it just becomes loaded with pink salmon. And for me, I've loved it because it's a really great way to practice fly fishing. So most people are going to be fishing for them on the fly up there, and I think that was really my first time ever truly fly fishing. And it's great practice because there's so many of the fish, and they're not you know, they're, they're not hard to catch and there's so many of them, but they're also really good fighters too, especially for, for their size. So, um, yeah, up there, I mean, everywhere from it's Lester park, right North of Duluth, I've fished, um, temperance river, that area, you can pretty much just kind of go, especially I know after rain, more salmon are going to be in there, but it can make it a little bit harder. Yeah. Flows can dictate. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, just grabbing a fly rod. I've done just with like egg patterns, but I think people, I think you can do kind of any anything. But um, yeah, had a ton of fun hot up dogs. there. Probably hot dogs. Just like yeah. Canadian wallets. I mean, really, they're, <laughs> no. I've truly, I was struggling. I remember I had like, you know, a mess in my line or something. I was practicing casting and I remember multiple salmon swam through my legs. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I have no excuses. And I, I So I you're standing in the water with them, yeah. which adds another thing. And then yeah. also the views up there. Just Beautiful. sometimes when you go on. You find a little waterfall. Yeah, you and, go to a place yeah. like that and you're like. The fish would just be a bonus because look at where I'm exactly. standing right now. And obviously you want to catch what you're going for, but sometimes you got to look around and be like, this is pretty cool. And especially yeah. when you're standing in water and watching them swim through, like yeah. that is super, super cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can literally start at like the mouth of any river and just kind of work your way up, hike your way up, enjoy it. Definitely under any of the waterfalls, they're going to stack up in there. I don't think they're very it's good. It's been at, on my list to do for quite yeah. a few years and I haven't made it happen yet, but I, yeah, that's... And they're beautiful. Um, it, it is. Yes, it is. It's spectacular up there. Do you have any resources that you could point people to to understand when this run happens? Because if you don't time it right, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. And not really. I've been up mid-September and they were loaded. So there, you heard it. You I don't know. What do first. you think? <laughs> what, where would you point people? Well, water temperature dictates a lot when yeah. fish movements like that. So, uh, I mean, depending on what temperatures we have, I would, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't necessarily plan it months in advance because yeah. you, you don't want to be up there and be like, well, the run hasn't started yet. I mean, you know? I'll be honest. I had friends in Duluth who yeah. said it's on and I said, okay, I'll come up. So. I, there's, there are outfitters up in that yeah. area that you could call and pick their brains on. I'm yeah. guessing they would say that it hasn't started yet or it has. Uh, they'll give you a little more information, but the old Google machine will probably <laughs> tell you a little bit about the run up there, mm -hmm. and then you could plan it yourself. I've got some friends that have done it, and I just I haven't made it yet, but it's on yeah. my list. It's a cool place to be. I like that one. Um, <clears throat> Devil's Lake, North Dakota right now. There's a large walleye population in that lake, and we go. you see some of these factories, walleye factories around mm -hmm. the country, Upper Midwest, we have a lot of them between Mille Lacs, Lake of the Woods, Red Lake, Leech. They go through these, you know, up and down sort of, mm -hmm. where they just have like an awesome year class that just really takes over. And you might get a couple in a row. And I believe that's what is happening on Devil's Lake right now. People that go up there, you know, they were up there this last winter because the perch is really what draws a lot of people in. The perch patrol guide mm -hmm. service up there, you know, they're kind of famous. They're, you know, people that go up there and have been going up there. And they're like, we, we just couldn't get away from the walleyes. Everywhere we went, they were walleyes and nice ones too. And it's carried into this season as well. So if there's a year that you've been thinking about doing the Devil's Lake, this is a year to do it. Because yes, you still have big northern pike. You have jumbo perch. But the walleye population is extraordinary right now. So that's a place that I haven't been myself. Okay. Um, and I'm probably going to get there at some point. Um, but I mention it because of just how strong the numbers are. Yeah. And everybody that I've talked to have just been like, this is the time to go. So sometimes I think we should give information to people that is helpful right now, not necessarily based off of our own personal experience. And that's yeah. why I wanted to say this one is just, I'm telling you right now, the fishery is probably as healthy as it's ever been. Yeah. 
So it's worth Good it to, to go now. It's funny you say that because I was going to ask if there's any, so maybe if there's any more places that you haven't been oh, yeah. in this region yeah. that are high on your list that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. Some uh, are coming to your mind. I can see it. Yeah. Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Lake Erie. Um, there's, yeah, there's, I, I always want to go somewhere that I haven't been. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I enjoy the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. I like learning and figuring it out and, I, do you have more on your list? Those are my top ones. Okay. Those are the... So I'll go into another okay. one. And this I did probably six or seven years ago. Maybe even more than that. Maybe even eight. I don't know. The Big Fork River in northern Minnesota, it flows north out of... Uh, it's not Big Fork Lake. I forget. There's a small lake. Anyway, it's it's one of these adventures that... You have to figure out how to get yourself in and out. It's mm-hmm. a small river. You can cast across it. But it's full of muskies. Mm-hmm. This is something that would, you would just absolutely love. I know how much you love muskie fishing. Yeah. Um, it, it was a heck of an adventure, and that's why I bring this one up now, because um, I love the adventure side. Mm-hmm. That river has muskies, sucker minnows, and sturgeon. And I think there are some walleyes. You can see almost everything. Wow. So, is it kayakable? It's kayakable. Okay. Yeah, we did canoe, and then we actually took the motor and stripped my buddy's John boat down, and we mm-hmm. we kept the uh, trolling motor on the front because I like having control, and it turned out to be a blessing once we were there. But mm-hmm. we had to push it like a quarter mile through the woods, and we learned that we that was a dumb idea to take that. My buddy portaged his canoe in, and you know, but we caught a lot of muskies, yeah. and there's muskies all over that river, uh, depending on the flow. They're going to be under trees, um, you know, but there's times where you have to get out and walk because yeah. it's too shallow and there's some rapid areas mm-hmm. you want to just walk around. But you're going through just a massive forest up there and then you have to figure out a landing, a starting and a, an ending spot. Yeah. So we camped one night and then we had a vehicle downstream further. Um, it was just one of those cool places. We saw one or I think we saw one other guy out there that was canoeing down and fishing. Yeah. Um, but it's. It's one of those places that doesn't get a lot of um, attention, and there are big fish. We, I had one on that was over 50 inches, wow. which was pretty cool. In um, the canoe? In, well, no? I was standing up in okay. a john boat, and you yeah. can watch the story. We were, uh, I want to say, I, again, I, maybe it was seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. but it, we aired it on Minnesota Bound and on Do North Outdoors, and you can search for it and probably watch it. It was cool. It was really cool. Similar to that, the Mississippi River mm-hmm. is is a really I mean our rivers in the Midwest are yeah. so underutilized. The Zumbro River in southeast Minnesota. If you're a musky nut, I know you are, <laughs> Natalie, but if other people that are looking to get away from the crowds, yeah. those are the kind of places that you can get away. Mm-hmm. And, and they do take a little extra effort, you yeah. know, cuz you you got to have your start and your end point, you got to plan that out and you know at least fishing rivers in a well, really, in any boat, I can speak personally to in a kayak when no matter what, there's already a lot of moving parts, you know, quite literally when you're trying to, <laughs> you know, steer while fishing and you don't have, you know, a trolling motor and stuff. Some people do, but yep. um, there's a lot to manage, but it makes it all so much more worth it. We're the type of people we love that, you know, the, the challenge of it all. Yeah. So, you know, and I love in a river that so often you have one shot at a given spot. You know, you can you can have that spot that you want to cast at. And if you're flowing fast and if you're in a, you know, a 
canoe or a kayak or something that you're not going to be able to head back upstream. It's like you have that one shot to make that cast. And if you miss it, totally miss it. See, totally. it, see you next time. Flow, so. flow dictates a lot. Yeah. Rains dictate a lot. It, it's a, it's a, adds a lot to it. First, you have to get yourself into that position. Mm-hmm. And then you got to figure out where are they relating to the current. And yep. it's, it's different, but it's different in a fun way. And, yeah. and I enjoy those challenges. I would say get two people together. Mm-hmm. Don't go solo if, on your first time. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying... To make it a really great experience, plan ahead like you're camping or going to the Boundary Waters or whatever. So you, if you're going to do an overnight, you got one person that parks on, you know, different stretch yep. of the river, whether it's the Mississippi or the Big Fork or Sunbro or any of the other rivers to do mm-hmm. something like this. A rum, you know, river, the St. Louis River. Mm-hmm. I mean, that runs. I mean, there's muskies there, too. Um, I but, fished the Eau Claire River, too, in Wisconsin. There and there's another one. I'm forgetting the name right around there, too. Um also has muskies. Some so. of my most memorable fishing adventures have been on our rivers. Mm-hmm. You know, even the Red River. Gosh, mm. I should have put that up I, there. I was just thinking I should. I, yes, the Red River is such a cool place yeah. to go if you want to catch huge catfish. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. And then obviously big walleyes because yeah. it connects to Winnipeg. But I did the catfishing. Tr- Gosh. Uh-huh. Really spoiled Part sometime. three coming? Uh, yeah. So a friend that texted me the other night. Just uh, sent me a picture, and he's up on his lake place up north of Bemidji. Mm -hmm. And he said, hope you're having a good night. This is my view. And he knows that I've fished that lake Uh before. And I happened to be fishing with my boys, and I texted him back, man, we sure are blessed. And he goes, can you believe we have all of these options? I I know. You know, It hits me, yeah, too. It kind of sometimes you have to stop and think about it. Just take a minute and say, we really do have a lot. Yeah. You know, we have so much. Yeah. So, uh Riverfish, too, something I'll add. I mean, the, just the strength of those fish. They're fighting current their whole life. So whether it's, you know, smallmouth or muskies, they're a little different. They're built they're like, a they're built like us, just yeah. ripped. Oh, yeah, just yes. shredded. <laughs> totally, totally. Good we thing get it's them. not a video podcast. Yeah, we get no, them. But but really, it's a, it's a different experience. And even <laughs> yeah. just when you're fighting a fish in the river, not only is the fish going to be stronger, but you you have to take into account the current when you're fighting them. Mm-hmm. It's it's easy to, to make a mistake. So Yep. Good experience. Yeah. So we do some listener. So we reached out a few weeks ago now on Instagram Mm. asking you all, those listening for favorite spots. Do you have anyone, any that you want to add before we go to that? Uh, I think you and I have talked plenty about ourselves for today. Let's go. It's never enough. Yes, exactly. Well, um, do you have the list in front of you? I do. Colin. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it's, I believe it's pronounced forks. Um, Colin, so he's actually a, a listener from all the way over in the in the UK, um, and I know that because he's been a longtime follower. But he also, if you notice, spells favorite with a U, which is the English way of spelling it. So a little giveaway. But um, yeah, I can read this one. He says my favorite angling place is the River Stour. Stour. Um, at Nayland, Suffolk, UK. He says it has the most English species chub roach. I don't even know Dace. what some of these are. Dace, perch, tench, tench, gudgeon, and pike. Yeah, so all can be caught on a, a fly rod. So this is this we can add to our our exotic fishing destinations podcast. And yes, too. I have managed the full Monty. Oh yeah, all species in one day. He said, huh. "Well done, Col- well done, you, Colin." Isn't, <laughs> yeah. that, isn't that what they say? Yeah, well I think done, I don't know. I'm not very cool. I'm a, I'm just a Minnesotan. <laughs> we got Every, an international listener base, Travis. Yes. Look at us. Do we have accents? Because when I go other places, like you oh, you have ya. a bad <laughs> accent. It's really bad. It's somebody who lived out of state for a while and then moved back to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. My out of state friends, after I lived here for a year, I'd you know talk to them on the phone. 
who have you become? I'm like, what? I don't know, but I feel like when we watch a movie, they sound like us on TV, Mm -hmm. right? I think so. I think so. So You betcha they do. (laughs) It's a little much. That's a little bit much. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Lucas, right back. Does Mm -hmm. that sound about right? Ely area is beautiful. Peaceful, beautiful, and not a lot of people. I don't know about not a lot of people anymore, though. If we're being honest, Depends, I feel yeah. like it's been flooded the last couple of years. It's to the point where they had to reduce permits yeah. <laughs> in the Boundary Waters. Yeah. But it, they're, so, yes. So, if, he, if Lucas, if you know a spot around there that doesn't have as many people. Um, you, Birch, Birch Lake. I've camped okay. on it. Yes, my first camping experience up in the North Woods was on Birch Lake. And that's out by Ely. It's a beautiful lake. It's not in the Boundary Waters, um, but there's... That's one of many in that area as well that's outside of the Boundary Waters. And, again, you don't have to go into the Boundary Waters to have that kind yeah. of feel. So people probably pass a lot of those other lakes to get into the Boundary Waters, and you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. So maybe maybe Lucas is on to something yeah, there. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a couple of you uh, are in agreement with me from what I shared last time. So Austin Stadler and Dennis C. both agreed Vilas County, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about that, listen to the last episode. Um, but very much in agreement with you guys. And then Michael Pratt, Central Lake Erie, Northeast Ohio. Have you fished up there? Out there? It's on my list. On Lake your list. Erie. Yeah, okay. The walleye, oh, yeah, you said that earlier. Yeah, the walleye population right there, kind of like that was like the walleye population in Erie. They've got just a monster, monster couple mm-hmm. of year classes right now. And... It's crazy that when you go to some of those places, you know how we value a 24-inch walleye mm-hmm. here as being like, oh, get it back. That's, a, you know, it's going to reproduce. It's yeah. like they keep 24 to 29 inches. Oh. Like it's, I mean, that's just yeah. what they do out there. There's so many big fish. It's unbelievable. So yes, Lake Erie yeah. is a walleye mecca. If you have the chance, do it. Let's see. Did you say yes, Austin? Yep. Vilas County. Great yep. place to catch a 30-inch walleye. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Michael Otto, grew up fishing walleye malax with my grandpa and now fish it mainly for small mouth. Otherwise, a lot of good lakes in the Hackensack area, with Woman Lake probably being my favorite. Yeah, there's a bunch of lakes in that area there. Um, I, yeah, I, when I went to college in Bemidji, I would always, my roommates and I, we would print, we had this atlas, this was before Onyx Maps and all these things could tell you where to go. We had this old road atlases, and we'd find lakes down logging roads, mm-hmm. roads logging trails, two tracks, and we, they didn't have a lake map, they didn't have a, you know, DNR survey or anything, and those were the ones we wanted mm-hmm. to fish, and those are the most fun. My friends still call most that the, the Bible, and oh, I still yeah. have that. We we would nickname these puddles in the woods different names, That's and cool. some of them would be full of, you know, Giant crappies. Yeah. Some of them would be huge bluegills, and it was always fun because of the adventure. And speaking of nicknaming lakes, real yeah. quick, can't, it doesn't just crack you up sometimes when you look at a map and you see the names of some of the lakes, some, especially some of the small lakes in like you know northern Minnesota and places, and you're like, that's just a name that like some guy said to his friend, yeah, seventy five years ago, and it stuck. I love it. Yeah, Hackensack. Mm-hmm. Yep, Woman Lake is is a great walleye lake, actually. All right, we got Andy Farrar, Lake of the Woods, and Lake Winnie, mm-hmm. the walleyes, of course. But the scenery is second to none. Great people at both places as well. Chase, we should have practiced the names. <laughs> I'm, we apologize for butchering them, but Chase Scrypack, yep. uh, Quetico National Park, Ontario, Boundary Waters, thousands of bodies of water, insane lake trout, pike, walleye, small mouth, small mouth fishing. 
you're right. Pretty much everything that that you can catch is up there and and in good numbers. Yeah, it's it's the Ontario side of the Boundary Waters. Mm-hmm. It's the same giant system that eventually our Boundary Waters feeds into the Canadian side. And uh, Bill Shirk has been up there multiple times. And I'm guessing if he had to pick one or the other, he would go to Quetico. Would he? Yeah. Yep. yep. It's, yeah. It just takes things up a notch. All the things you would love about the Boundary Waters, mm-hmm. just more solitude, yeah. more fish, and typically... Less people, more fish. Exactly. I was just going to say, the less people, the more fish. Yeah. Yep. Dylan Kramer, Brainerd Lakes area. Yeah. I mean, like I was just saying, that my buddy that texted, we're so spoiled. You just mm-hmm. think about all these regions. You can go up to Detroit Lakes. You can go to Bemidji. You can go to Brainerd. You can go to Ely. Right here mm-hmm. in the cities. You can go southwest, southeast. And that's just in Minnesota. Yeah. You know, and I mentioned last time, South Dakota and North Dakota, the places out there, the amount of quality fishing in the Dakotas is astronomical. And a lot of those slews don't even necessarily have names. Mm-hmm. And they're loaded with big fish, perch, walleye, northern. Pretty cool places. Uh, the UP by Bill Irving. Um, that's an area that I've not fished. Have you? No, I have not. I camped up there once. Um, yeah, I haven't. Hmm. No, Put I it think on your just, list? It, no, yeah, it's up there. I mean, that's a beautiful part of the country. And less populated, too. So. Sandpoint Lake. Is that on Nam- our list? Namakin Lake. Uh, let's see what else we got. Couple Hayward, Hayward. shout out, Stephen and Olivia, uh, Kelly. (laughs) Water. Water. Then it's a good place to start. People, maybe they make it too difficult. (laughs) Where's a good place to fish? Start with water. Wherever you can. Thanks, Kelly. Iowa. Yeah. (laughs) That's what the, Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that there's a couple of really good lakes in Iowa. Spirit Lake, Lake Okoboji. Mm -hmm. Those are a couple of fisheries that are really strong on, uh, walleyes. Muskies, bass, panfish, and they have um, silver bass or striped bass, however you want to call it, in a couple of those fisheries down there, and they can be a real blast to fish for. I have not done it myself, but I have friends that have, and they're like, (laughs) it's really underrated on those. How big do they get again? You can get a couple pounds. Okay. Yeah, but I think you're talking, you know, like a big crappie or a small bass size on, on those down there. But yeah. the fisheries themselves are, it's amazing. I've um, been down there a couple times, and the water clarity, you would never think oh. you're in Iowa in the middle of farm country. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. cool. What else we got? We got BWCA. I think we got to most of them, yeah. The, yeah, Boundary Waters. Um, oh, Connie. I kind of stole yours. Great Lakes Tributaries for salmon, steelhead, brown trout, and driftless area, Wisconsin, for trout. Connie, you sound like you may be a fly fisherman. Love it. Mantrap Chain in Park Rapids, Vilas County, Hayward, Wisconsin. A lot of places, Natalie. Lots of places. Where are you off to next as we wrap this up? Well, you said mm. you're going to go tomorrow morning. You're going to yeah. catch a bass, yeah. probably on a bass frog. tomorrow morning. Well, it's kind of that time of it year. Is? Don't worry. I'll bring some options. Okay. Yeah, but no, that, that's next on the list for me. And then hopefully up north in the next few weeks to, to do some musky fishing. Nice. Well, it's well, it's warm. Yeah. So It's only going to get better bit. from here on yes. out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just get out there. You yeah. know, What's you, next for you? I'm going to 
I've got a few trips coming up. The family trip. Yep, yep. Looking forward to, but that's not for, there's a lot between now and then. Um, I'm very excited. As you heard, as you walked in the building, I'm working on plans oh, for yes. an adventure in Alaska. And I'm, I just got off the phone looking at flights. Uh, I just had to figure out filming permits and a couple last logistics. I'm a little nervous, if I'm being honest, because one of the, op- one of the days would be a fly-in mm-hmm. on a float plane to a lake up there and my last flight in alaska i said i would never get in one of those again did you have some weather we did a full we did a full 360 in the air in one of those tiny planes and really i said i will walk out i am not getting back yeah. in i thought i was physically sore from holding on to the they have a rope Ooh. and then i mean there's four people packed in this tiny plane and we were flying through a blizzard in the mountains, in this valley, and it was throwing us so far left, right, up, down, and at one point, it threw the plane so far that we ended up doing a full 360 in the air, and I was like, I'm never, ever, ever doing it again. Yeah. And now, I'm planning this this trip, and... You shouldn't run into a blizzard. I in, would in hope not. September. I would hope not, but it is Alaska, and yesterday, yeah. I was talking to the pilot, and he goes, well, we'll fly if we can, you know, and he's one, you know, you talk yep. to these old bush pilots up there, and I don't want... One thing I've... Um, you know, working here and the opportunities that have come, I feel so blessed to go on some of these mm-hmm. once in a lifetime places, these adventures. When I get there, I ha- I've had to conquer my fears several times, my fear of heights, my mm-hmm. fear of getting into an airplane, um, you know, whether it be, you know, this one place in West Virginia comes to mind and there was this class five plus rapids and I've never wow. been whitewater rafting before. And I had to go in there and, you know, without knowing the things that some of these people have prepared their whole life to yeah. go down this. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it. But we went over this crickety bridge over this river to get there on uh-huh. this bus. And I remember... Are you afraid of heights? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely afraid of heights. And I have been on top of mountains. I've been in these airplanes. I've been down zip lines and places that I just, I keep telling myself, fight through it. And yeah. experience it. I won't jump out of a plane. I'm not going to do that. But I've done a lot of other things that I figured I would never do yeah. in my life. And I'm glad that I've overcome some of yeah. the fears because it's uh, it's pretty cool opportunities. I'm right there with you. One of my biggest fears, if not my biggest fear, my entire childhood into adulthood it was deep waters, the ocean, sharks, and through experiences, you know. In this world, getting out on the ocean in a kayak and even spearfishing, being in the water, being able to face those fears. I want to talk about that. We will. Oh, okay. buckle up. I want to yeah, talk about spearfishing because it's high yeah. on my list yeah. and I don't know if I could I do it. I am not a necessarily a resource for knowledge about it, but I can but certainly there, speak so to the experience. But you've been there so we can talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll do offshore because it yeah. was a trip I took, let's just say... Our our offshore guide was curled up in the fetal position, throwing up in the back of the boat, lost, scared, oh, and I had to figure out I how to get us back to shore. Of that right now. Yeah, so oh, we've no. got stories. Yeah. We've got offshore so, stories. So to we'll talk. definitely talk in the future more okay. of our you know favorite destinations and stories like that that are a little bit farther from home. But you know, for those of you listening at home, other topics that you want us to cover, whether it's you know timely, very topical, you know, fishing. Uh, we'll you talk know, hunting tactics, too. hunting for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and if you have recommendations too, we're going to be bringing more guests on soon. But if you have people with great stories, um, that you recommend for us, feel free to, you know, we'd love it if you connect with us on, on Instagram, um, and, and let us know. Well, if you'll excuse me, I have to go pre-fish for a tournament. 
I think I that's go. allowed. <laughs> I will <laughs> allow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, listening to all of these topics. We'll be back in two weeks, Natalie, with another episode of Do North Outdoors podcast. Until then, get out there, bring your family, bring your kids, bring their friends, and bring their parents along and show them what the great outdoors is really like. Yeah.